We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans happy wednesday welcome into an all-new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl thanks so much for being here today I'm joined once again by the one and only Sam Monson. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. He is Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst. And of course, you can find him on the PFF NFL podcast. Sam, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's always great talking with you. I love getting your perspective. You see so many things throughout the course of the league. It's been a couple of weeks since we've talked recently. So I don't want to start off with anything too complex or complicated, just kind of something easy. What's wrong with the Packers? Yeah. And you know, the thing is, it's the same answer. Right? <laughs> like, it hasn't changed since the last no. time we kind of had this conversation. They're, they're making too many mistakes. Um, and we talked the last time we spoke about how they're not able to kind of offset the mistakes that each individual is making. Now, ironically, they were in this game, right? Uh, Romeo Dobbs drops a touchdown only to find it landing in the hands of a receiver behind him. So yeah. on a weird, rare instance, they were actually bailing out each other in terms of mistakes, but there were just too many mistakes. Um, you know, there was that touchdown, the touchdown that Dobbs caught, the sort of simultaneous possession thing. I mean, that's a bad throw, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a wide open touchdown if it's anywhere in the back of the end zone. And instead, 
it was left sort of low and behind and Sertan got his hands to it and, and Dobbs had to wrestle it away. And, and when you look, not only was the throw location bad, but when you sort of watch what Jordan Love was doing on the play, I, I can only assume he was aiming at the other uh, receiver on the crosser yeah, initially yeah. And, and started moving in that direction in the pocket and then changed his mind last second and found himself sort of completely out of position to throw the ball he actually wanted to throw. So it's it's wildly underthrown. And given where the safety was aligned on that play, like the, the first place he wanted to go with the ball was never on, right? So yeah. that's the kind of mental processing that he needs to get better at because he shouldn't have been shuffling into trouble in the first place because that throw was never an option on, on that play. Um, the, the Dobbs throw, the one he ended up finding eventually – was probably where he was always going to end up with the ball. And if he just stayed where he was in the pocket, he would have had an easier attempt at, at making that throw. And it wouldn't have been such a difficult play for Dobbs to make. You know, ultimately it ends up with a touchdown anyway, but like, that's the kind of area where Jordan love isn't making his own life any easier, you know? No, it's, it's such a weird game and it's why you guys do what you do and why you're so good at it is because you look at the first the, the first Dobbs touchdown, and it's a bad throw. It's a bad throw all day, every day. It's bad process, as you mentioned. Ends up in a touchdown. Box score, good. You know, uh, quarterback right. efficiency, good. Grade, not so great. And then, you know, you come back later, and, and it ends up being a touchdown, like you said, to, to Jaden Reed. But, like, he actually, you know, the, the defender's in his face to, to Dobbs, and he actually does a nice job avoiding the defender, dropping his arm angle, finding Dobbs, maybe overcooked it just a little bit for a short space, but overall hits Dobbs right in the hands, ricochets off, probably would have been an incompletion on most plays. It just happened that Jaden Reed was there. One of the things I at least am a little bit positive with is like they, they did find a way to kind of bail each other out in this game a couple of times, which yeah. hasn't been happening in the past. Uh, you did have Romeo Dobbs bail out his wider or his quarterback on that play. You did have Jaden Reed find a way to come up with the deflection and kind of bail Romeo Dobbs out on that play. But there's a ton of other plays out there. The other throw that that Love had down the field to Romeo Dobbs, that was a 50-50 ball and probably should have even been greater than 50-50 if Romeo goes up and gets it and uses strong hands, but doesn't come up with that one. It's just, it, it, there's a lot of mistakes, as you mentioned, and they they can't cover for all of them. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like it, it's this that's exactly the same story as the last time we had this conversation. The only difference is this time they did actually cover for a few of those mistakes, just not enough of them for for it to actually make a difference in the game. Yeah, there's there's a handful of players that I want to talk to you about, both from this game as well as just kind of long term. The first one I bring up, we've talked about in the past, but I want to bring it up for a very specific reason. Um, I don't know if you guys ended up adjusting the score or not, but I know at one point you had a 40% pass rush win rate for Rashawn Gary, um, I think, in this game. And he's the league, league leader in pass rush win rate so far, easy for me to say. He's obviously having a tremendous year, but the reason I wanted to bring him up again is he's also in this very interesting situation where he's an unrestricted free agent. Based on where Green Bay is on the salary cap next year, I'm sure they could find a way to franchise him, but I'm sure they would very much prefer not to have to franchise him. A, how, like just how well is he playing? And B, what tier of sort of edge rusher contract are we looking at here potentially for Rashawn Gary? Yeah, I mean, he's playing, I think, as well as, as any rush, edge rusher in the NFL. As you said, he's leading the league in pass rush win rate and has been all season long. The only difference between him and, and some of the other guys is they've been playing that full workload all the way through the season, whereas obviously the Packers have been easing Gary back into it after that injury. Um, and it's probably easier 
to have a dominant uh, pass rush win rate when you're only rushing a certain number of snaps and you're not sort of wasting your energy and your time on some other snaps that that aren't um, where you're just simply not going to get a chance to get pressure, but you're still expending that energy and, and chewing up whatever potentially you had over the course of the game. So, you know, Gary is rushing the passer as well as anybody, and this is now the second sort of full season where we've seen that from him when he's been healthy. Uh, he's as good as anybody, I think, right now. So, you know, PFF wasn't particularly high on Gary at all at draft time because his production in college had never been there. He was more of a, an athlete and a guy that had potential. Um, but and it, and it took him probably, what, two two-plus years to become that player. But now he's there. Like, now he's become that guy. And he is the player that you draft at the in the, the top 10 of a draft if he's available. Um, and I, I think he should be demanding the next, you know, benchmark contract from an edge rusher. Like, there's no reason why when he signs that contract, it shouldn't immediately make him the best paid edge rusher in the National Football League, even if that only lasts, you know, until the next edge rusher signs his contract. Yeah, I'm sure that's what his agents is looking for. It's really interesting because I do think they have a lot of leverage here. Because as I mentioned, I'm sure Green Bay does not want to franchise him. He's playing at that insanely high level. He worked his way back from the torn ACL. And I'm not sure there's an argument to be made anything other than that he's the best player on the Green Bay Packers right now. You can't afford to lose that guy in any capacity. He's one of the very few things that's going well for you. So I'm with you. I think their agent should, you know, his agent should be asking for the world. And I think Green Bay should and is going to probably give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm never sure how much this should factor into these kinds of decisions, the second contract decisions. But if they were aware that this was going to take some time for Rashawn Gary to become the player that he's become, you know, they were effectively saying, we don't care if he's not that guy in year one or even year two because he's going to become that guy in year three and four and, and beyond, then you're effectively determining at draft time that he should, he needs a second contract. Otherwise, you're you're sacrificing half of the value of getting the guy in his rookie contract in the first place, right? So if that was part of the decision-making process at draft time, you kind of have to follow through with it now. Otherwise it, it still didn't make a lot of sense as a draft pick. It, it's so true. And we, we probably should go into in depth in that conversation more another time, because I, I think they're starting to become more and more of a conversation around green Bay of like, right, is draft and develop really the way that you can win anymore in the NFL. There's not the same practice time you are losing on so many right. of those valuable rookie seasons. It's, it's a really interesting concept, but to your point, if you're going to draft the project, you better be willing to pay the project once he actually becomes the finished product that you thought he was going to be when you initially made that pick. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Another player that I do want to ask you about is Zach Tom at an 84.1 grade against the Broncos. One of the other players who has actually been a bright spot for Green Bay. Trying to keep it positive today, Sam, because there's been a lot of <laughs> frustration around the Green Bay Packers, understandably so. But your thoughts on Zach Tom, his performance so far, and just what he's really been able to become coming off of what a fifth round pick a season ago up until and now one of the, the really the Packers' best players. Yeah, I, I think Zach Tom's a great player. I think he's been really good since day one. Basically, um, he was one of those mid to low round draft uh, draft picks, draft prospects that PFF really liked and said this guy's grading profile is really good. He's going to fall in the draft because he doesn't fit the the athletic profile, the the size, the measurables, everything that they're they're looking for. He's not the prototypical, you know, first round tackle, but there's nothing on his tape that says he's going to fail, right? Everything there says he can be a good player. 
and really from the outset he was when they put him in there particularly when he was playing you know left tackle to cover for Bakhtiari um he looked like a guy that could step in and be a a really good quality starting left tackle in the NFL and then with Bakhtiari coming back he moves to the right side and he's played multiple positions now but looked particularly in pass protection incredibly good at, at at either side um, and I think his run blocking has improved as well. So really one of the success stories of this Green Bay roster. Yeah, Green Bay needs more of them. It's, it's an interesting conversation in Green Bay right now, too, because the offensive line is such a mess. And, you know, do you want to get Yash Nyman in at tackle and try to fill Zach Tom in somewhere else, either at left tackle for Rashid Walker, maybe at center for Josh Myers for a couple of players who maybe aren't playing quite as well, but it is so hard to want to move him around too much when he's been playing so well at right tackle. And again, is one of the very few things that's actually working for green Bay. Another word, uh, we started positive. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about some other things too. I want to talk about a player. I'm really interested in your thoughts on this one it is Elton Jenkins, uh, 45.8 grade uh, against the Denver Broncos this week was not one of his better games. We can debate uh, how, egregious the holding penalty was at the end of the game, but I don't think we can debate how huge of a call that was in the moment. It may have literally swung the game um, in either direction because Green Bay was kind of marching down the field for a potential game-winning field goal. Um, He had a a block that he missed early in the game, and I, I would just argue that I don't think he's played up to the level that we've seen him in the past, that he's graded out on in the past, that he's capable of. It's just been an interesting season so far for Elton. He's been fighting some injuries too, but th- this was not one of his better performances. No, um, and generally his pass protection was okay. Uh, and he sort of, he looked like he was moving around well enough, certainly when it was came to pass blocking. But when you looked at his run blocking plays, in particular the losses, like he he actually looks injured. I mean, he doesn't look like he's moving the way that you expect Elton Jenkins to move. Some of the the losses he had in the run game I'm trying to, you know, articulate the correct word because it's it's a really sort of charged term to to use the term embarrassing. But like there was some awful losses in there where he just whiffs on a guy, barely touches him, or gets completely tossed to the side in a way that starting caliber offensive linemen simply that just shouldn't happen to them. And we've seen Elton Jenkins play at a level way higher than that. For that to happen to him suggests like something is happening here beyond like a guy does not go from where he was to some of these losses without there being some kind of explanation for it and the most obvious of which is you know he's carrying some kind of injury that is is causing those kinds of defeats because yeah as i say some of those losses on tape against denver were were awful for him we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. Pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love crazy bread. Love, love, love crazy bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get crazy bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule and flexible to your individual needs. The best part is that BetterHelp is so easy to sign up for. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash packaday. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, It's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on PrizePix by going to prizepix.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. And he was fighting an MCL sprain earlier this year. He didn't practice much of last week. And I think it showed up clearly in the, in the tape here. And I think it's a good thing to remember too, because, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, but I think sometimes when a player comes back from injury and they play in the game, 
we have this immediate idea of like, oh, like that's 100% Elton Jenkins out there. He's playing right. in the game. That's going to be, you know, like like if he's a 84 in Madden, he's going to play like an 84 in Madden out there on the field. But the truth is, if you're, you know, 75% uh, from a health standpoint and you have a lingering injury, that can really, really affect you in this game. So just because Elton Jenkins is out there doesn't necessarily mean he's at 100% and can play at the level that we're used to seeing. I think we saw that very much this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a difference between, um, you know, being on the field and being 100% healthy. And you hear all the time players say that once you reach a certain point in the season, nobody is 100% healthy. Yeah. But but that means there's a spectrum, right? Like there's there's guys that are 99% healthy and there's guys that are like 55% healthy, but it's still better than the option, like the alternative or better than them not being on the field. So you get a very diminished version of what they're capable of. The good news is Elton Jenkins was out practicing on Wednesday for Green Bay. So hopefully it is getting better and is not something that is getting worse, but that'll be something to keep an eye on with him moving forward. All right. One other player I want to ask you about um, who I don't believe has been fighting any sort of injury, at least that we've been, that we've known about is Kenny Clark. Now I think PFF has a 56.9 grade for him on the season, which is well below what we're used to seeing from Kenny Clark. You can tell teams are a little bit more focused on him, but at the same token, we haven't seen, quite the impact plays. It's been kind of interesting through the first like four or five weeks of the season. He sort of gotten this habit of making this monster play on like the first drive or two of the game. And then you wouldn't hear from him for the remainder of the game. But this past week, we didn't even really see that big play from Kenny, but your, your assessment of Kenny so far this year. Yeah. Kenny Clark's had a strange career. Um, you know, when he really broke onto the scene and, and for a period of time was like the prototypical modern day sort of nose tackle, right? Where those guys used to look like Ted Washington. They were 350 pound, like behemoths in the middle of a defense that just ate space and, and didn't give up any ground. And then they became, you know, Jay Ratcliffe or Jay Ratliff type players where they were um, smaller uh, like three technique players, but played on the nose, right? Guys that could hold up against the double team, but were primarily there to still shoot gaps and cause chaos in the backfield. And for those a few years where Kenny Clark became like the modern prototype where he could hold up against the run, um, he could hold up against the double team even, but he was also going to be able to rush the passer and penetrate and shoot the gaps and get into the backfield and cause chaos that way. And that just hasn't been the guy we've seen for the last few years now. Um, injuries, I think, definitely played their part. But like his PFF run defense grade since the start of 2021 hasn't cleared 55, right? He's been in this area of poor run defense. And if you watch his losses in the run game against Denver, he's just getting handled easily by Denver offensive linemen, whether it's a double team that drives him completely out of the play, whether it's one guard just taking him and turning him outside of his gap and holding him there like that that's not the kind of play you you saw from kenny clark earlier in his career but i think it's the guy we're getting now i i would, he looks small I, I don't know if he's lost a ton of weight and is deliberately trying to be more of a, a lightweight outside type of presence but like he's just lost any and all ability really against the run over the course of a, a 50 game a 50 play game yeah, I think the big thing that you mentioned is the double teams where you just don't see him have the same anchor that he once had to kind of hold up and just hold those those double teams at the point of attack, which was so valuable. I do think a couple things happened with Kenny. I think 
A, there's times he gets caught in no man's land from Green Bay wanting him to not be the nose with TJ Slayton in there and wanting to be a little bit more disruptive, which maybe is a reason that he's maybe dropping a little weight and trying to be a little bit quicker. But then they ask him to do a bunch of, you know, taking on double teams and ended up playing the nose anyway. So maybe he's a little bit in no man's land. And I think the other thing with Kenny is, you know, he came out so young. He was about 20 years old in his rookie season and he's played not, not only has he played a while now, even though he's still under 30, but the other thing is that in so many of those seasons, especially after Mike Daniels left, it was Kenny and nothing else. And if Kenny wasn't on the field, like they, they couldn't do any, I mean, even when Kenny was on the field playing insane, that there was too much Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster and other stuff going on that it was really hard to stop the run that when Kenny was out, it was just, it was game over. They, they couldn't do anything. So they needed him. 60 snaps a game uh, at defensive tackle for so many of those seasons. And I think you can really see the wear and tear of all they asked him to do throughout his career, sort of kind of catching up with him now. And he just doesn't have maybe the same strength and juice that he once had, which happens in the NFL, especially in the, in the trenches. Yeah. I'm always curious the those guys that come into the league, particularly young, whether that means they can have a longer career or whether you just sort of moved it earlier, you know, whether they're going to, retire earlier as well as starting earlier and all you did is sort of shift the clock forward yeah it's, it's going to be interesting and, and I'm, I'm hoping you just you know he kind of breaks out of it and has a great rest of the season but like you said this isn't necessarily just a, a one-year thing this we've kind of seen this kind of coming for the last couple of seasons uh, we are also in the midst of trade deadline season which we get to talk a, a bunch of really fun stuff and then we see like maybe one or two trades <laughs> take place but uh, there's a possibility that Green Bay could actually very much be on the seller side of things, especially if they lose to Minnesota this weekend. Any players that you kind of earmarked that maybe some other teams could have interest in and what kind of value they might have if Green Bay does decide to trade uh, away players at the deadline? Um, yeah, it's tough. Like I, I, I think most of, because one of the things we've been talking about with Green Bay is how young the roster is overall, and you know how we're expecting them to get better together over the next years and, and sort of transition into this really good team. They're not stuff full of like obvious guys that you want to get rid of and aren't part of this thing going forward. Um, you know, maybe there's a veteran piece or two um, that you might think about shipping off from, from defense, but I, I, I can't see too many players that I think are obvious guys that I would want to get rid of this team, even uh, understanding that it's going to bring back some trade collateral or whatever. I, I think most of these guys you want to keep here and let them develop. Yeah. The, the young guys, clearly uh, a couple, I know there's some talk about Preston Smith. I don't think there's just going to be a ton of interest around the right. league based on how he's playing. The one that I could potentially see teams calling on would be Razul Douglas. So I, I know last week, I think you guys had him in your top three corners. He's not old, but he's not in the like 23, 24 year old range either. I think he's 28 now turns 29 next season. Green Bay does get some savings on next year's salary cap if they were to move on from him now. He's playing so well that I'm with you. You don't want to get rid of him. And I think what really clouds it is now Jair's had the back injury and has missed a couple weeks. Eric Stokes, who they just get back, and maybe you find some depth in another starter there. He goes down with a hamstring injury, and he's out. So, like, they're, they're, they're one position where you're like, all right, they could probably survive with maybe Nixon and Valentine and Stokes and Jair. Well, now a couple of those guys are hurt. Um, I don't see it happening, but that would be the one if I'm another team, I'm at least going to maybe call about to see if I might be able to to make an offer for him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to move him unless the offer was too good to turn down. Um, the only other player that I think would be intriguing for a, like if, a, if the right offer came along is Devondre Campbell, simply because I think you could replace that and be okay. And 
the way the young linebackers are, are stepping up potentially, that makes some sense. But again, you know, unless the offer was crazy, I, I wouldn't be in a rush to make it happen. And Campbell did return to practice on Wednesday, so he does seem like he's finally getting healthy. All right, Sam, before we get you out of here, uh, just a, a quick look ahead to Packers-Vikings, how you think this game might go, and maybe some of the key matchups you'll be watching. Yeah, fascinating game now because the Vikings have kind of crawled their way back into playoff contention. And yeah. if you look at, there's an article on pff.com, uh, Timo Riska created this, this piece on sort of playoff scenarios and um, what every team's chances are. And the Vikings have one of the, the, this is one of the highest leverage games in terms of playoff chances in the season so far. Um, with a win, the Vikings jump up to like 66% or something crazy in terms of making the playoffs in large part because the remainder of their schedule and a loss puts them sort of still way behind the eight ball and with like a 33% chance of getting the playoffs or something. So from a Vikings perspective, it's a, it's a huge game because a win really lets them capitalize on beating San Francisco and, and moving in the right direction and, and actually getting back in the hunt. But a loss kind of negates the good work that they did with that unexpected win and, and puts them back on you know, behind the eight ball and chasing the playoffs again. And then obviously from a Green Bay perspective, like at some point we've got to try and get better. We've got to try and develop and stop making as many mistakes. And, you know, the, given where the Vikings have been this season, i.e. towards the bottom of the NFL without their best player, you know, if you can't beat a team like Minnesota, then it, it really is going to be a rough season. I would, I would agree, except I would have said if you can't beat a team like the Raiders, can't beat a team like the Broncos, it could yeah. be a season two. And now here we are, unfortunately, with two, well, three consecutive losses, including a loss to the Lions before that. Um, I said prior to the start of the Raiders game that those next three games for Green Bay, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Vikings, were going to go such a long way in defining the Packers season, where if they go 2-1, and 3-0, and oh, all right, they can beat bad teams, and they might just have enough bad teams on their schedule that they can make a legitimate playoff push they go one and two, something like that. It's like, all right, they are who we thought they were, a slightly below 500 team. They go 0-3, and, and man, the discourse completely changes about this yeah. Packers team of, well, it's, it's it's fun to say young and growing. At that point, you're just bad. You're just a bad, bad football team. Um, and I think that's what's on the line for Green Bay. And to your point, Minnesota, a ton to play for. Um, Green Bay got a big win last year against Minnesota and Green Bay. When Green Bay was trying to get back in the playoff hunt, Minnesota had really nothing to play for at that point. But this is going to be an interesting game. I think it's close, but I mean, I if I'm right now, I kind of like Minnesota on this one. Yeah, particularly if it's 0-3 and, you know, no signs of visible improvement. Like, that's the big thing, right? You can You can sell quite a lot of losing if there's visible signs of progress because – the way the NFL is, the way this game is, it's a game where chance and variance and single plays here or there can change outcomes. What you really want is evidence that we're getting better and there's something good at the end of the rainbow. But if you're 0-3 and it's looked the same every week, then that's where it gets rough. Extremely well said. And I, I agree with you too. And I know like, I think the argument can be made of like, if you've got some Aaron Joneses and your David Bakhtiaris and a couple of the players that have been hurt, and I know every team's going through injuries, I think you could make an argument that maybe this is a, like a four and one or a three and two team. I don't think it, I think it would have been like, I've kind of been saying like lipstick on a pig of just like, I think it would have, it would have looked good from a record standpoint, but I think all of these same mistakes that were happening would have still been happening and they eventually need to get cleaned up in some capacity. Winning, winning does cure some things, but they just got to play a better brand of football and be a better football team. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to see against Minnesota win, lose or draw. Just want to see a, a better, you know, kind of football performance overall from this team. Yeah. Just signs of growth. 
Exactly. Exactly. Sam, you are the absolute best. Tell everyone where we can find your work, the podcast and anything else you're working on. Yeah. PFF.com and just the PFF NFL podcast, whether you uh, watch on YouTube or listen along wherever you get your podcasts. They do absolutely awesome work. They're breaking down the entirety of the NFL. Also check them out in draft season as well, where they do incredible work there. Even if they, uh, you know, have a Rashawn Gary miss here and there. I certainly didn't. I'm just kidding. I had Rashawn Gary as a big miss as well. Uh, Thanks again, Sam. Always appreciate you. Um, You can again, find him at PFF underscore Sam. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL You can follow the podcast at Packaday podcast, but until next time, and as always go Pack go. (laughs) 